every now and then, someone will notice in my house my golf clubs. And usually, whenever they notice, especially if they play golf, their face will light up and they'll say, oh, are you a golfer? And I'll say, I have played golf, but I'm no golfer. I have a friend who's a golfer, and he plays pretty regularly, and he's played since he was 10 years old, and so he's good at golf, and he can, even without practicing for a while, he can just randomly go to the golf course and play a good round of golf, and so he is a golfer. He knows what he's doing. He's put in the work. He's put in the effort. He can have that title. I, myself, am invited every now and then, and I'll go, and I'll usually scramble with other people and, um, and eventually I, I lose my ball at least two or three or four times and just have to pick it up and keep going because I'm not a real golfer. But it is fun. I do like to play. My dad is a fisherman. He grew up fishing. He loves fishing. He lives and breathes fishing. I mean, when he's at work, he dreams about fishing. I mean, so he, and, and, and his whole life, I mean, he has endured um, all the ups and downs that come with fishing. And he's dedicated and he loves the sport. Whenever he goes fishing, it's sun up. We get there before the sun comes up and we don't come home till the sun goes down. And he's the type of guy that doesn't even bring snacks because there's no time to eat. Because he is focused. And when we're on that water, I mean, he sees everything. And he, he knows, he understands the ripples and the splashes and the, and the temperature and all the things that affect the fish. I enjoy fishing, but I'm no fisherman. At least not like that. I love to go fishing. It's, it's a great, it's fun to go here and there, but I'll pack my snacks and I'll take a break whenever it's hot. And if the fish aren't biting, I'm going to get discouraged. And I don't see the water the same way that my dad does because he's a real fisherman. It's not enough just to go to the golf course. And it's not enough just to get into the boat. It's not enough just to be on the roster for a team. We have to train and put the work in, in order to be great, in order to accomplish something that's difficult. In order to be victorious, we have to desire the prize and be willing to put in hard work. And if we desire the prize big enough, we're willing to put in that work. It makes sense to us. We're willing to train. I've noticed, you know, over the summer, at least at Turlings, it seemed like every sport was doing summer workouts, which was new to me because when I was in high school, it was really just the football team, maybe the cross country team, but winter sports and spring sports, all the sports, they were all working out the summer because they're all preparing for their seasons, no matter how far away it might be. They're all dedicated. They all want to put in the work. And it makes sense to them. They're willing to wake up early and to sacrifice those hours. They're willing to do difficult things at practice, to lift weights, to run sprints, because they're striving to achieve something great. And it's the same for the spiritual life. Jesus tells us to strive to enter the narrow gate. 
But then he says something really frightening. He says, many will attempt to enter the gates of heaven, but will not be strong enough. It's not enough just to have met Jesus. It's not enough just to have had a nice experience at a retreat or at some point in your life. It's not enough just to go through the motions and to go to church here and there whenever it works for your schedule. Jesus says to strive, to enter through the gate that's narrow because many will not be strong enough. And then he says this parable how the master of the house, after locking the door, there will be people that knock and the master will say, I do not know you. And those people will be shocked because they'll say, but Lord, we ate and drank in your company. You preached in our streets. And the Lord will say, I do not know you. It's just frightening words, especially for us. We come to church. We know some of church teaching probably. We try to be good people. Will that be us? Will the Lord say, I do not know you? Will we be strong enough to enter through the narrow gate? Well, I find the second letter of the Hebrew, well, the second letter, sorry, the second reading for today, which is from the letter of the Hebrews, I find that to be quite encouraging. Because the writer of this letter encourages the Hebrews as they are experiencing persecution. All throughout the letter of the Hebrews, there's this theme of suffering and redemptive suffering. Because the the Hebrew people at the time this letter was was written, um, the Christians who identified as Hebrews at the time, they were experiencing persecution in their faith. It was difficult to be a Christian. People were ridiculing them. People were challenging their beliefs. People were asking them to apostatize and to um, go back to their Hebrew roots and to not identify as Christians. And some of them were even enduring physical sufferings because of it. And the writer of this letter encourages them and they say, endure your trials as discipline because God is treating you as sons. Which is an odd way to, to see how this all shapes up because usually whenever we suffer, that's whenever we start asking questions. That's whenever we start doubting our faith. That's whenever we start getting discouraged or getting angry or getting upset. But instead, the writer of this letter says, see it as God treating you as children. Endure your trials as discipline. So we got to unpack this a little bit because the word discipline kind of hits us as middle-class Americans. We don't like that word that much. So the Greek word paideia, which is what's used in the, in the letter of the Hebrews, can be interpreted in two different ways. First way is kind of in a negative sense as punishment. And that's kind of what we think of when we think of discipline. We think of punishment. So, you know, sometimes actions have consequences and, and there is a punishment. Sometimes parents will punish their kids or coaches will punish their athletes. Teachers might punish their students or whatever. 
But the other way to interpret paideia, and I believe this is the way that the, the, the author of the, the letter meant it, is as instruction. This is a, a more positive sense of, of reading this word. Not as punishment, but rather instruction. Training. In fact, this is where we get the word pedagogy from paideia. Pedagogy, which is to teach and the, the, the teaching that God uses. And so what we can see here is that the author is saying, see your trials as paideia, as instruction. In other words, see your trials as training. Suffering is training in spiritual maturity. It's not enough just to have met Jesus. We want to be spiritually mature. We want to be saints. We want to grow in holiness, to be purified of unhealthy attachments and sin, and to be strong enough by the Lord's grace and by his mercy to be strengthened by his divine love so that we can enter through the narrow gate. Suffering is training. Suffering is training in spiritual maturity. And we see this in the lives of the saints all the time. Think about it. So there was Judas who betrayed Jesus. And St. John had a unique um, life after, um, after the resurrection. But the other ten apostles, all of them endured a lot of suffering and all of them were martyred for their faith. We see a lot of these saints through history endure a lot of physical uh, and, and emotional and even spiritual sufferings, great temptations and great persecutions and suffering in their family. You think of the modern saints, maybe you've heard of St. Maximilian Kolbe or St. Uh, Edith Stein, who both died in concentration camps. But you see, both of them, although there are a lot of people that died in concentration camps, neither of them had their lives taken from them. They freely chose to give their lives as an offering to the Lord. And the reason they were able to be strong enough to make this heroic act of martyrdom was because their whole life, they were willing to embrace small and big sufferings. Not as an occasion to be discouraged, but as an occasion to be strengthened. They saw every opportunity of suffering for training in holiness. You might think of St. Mother Teresa. Many of us know about how she endured a lot of hidden suffering, this spiritual suffering that most people had no idea. She had this face of profound joy, but deep down she was suffering this spiritual darkness that we know to be the dark night of the soul. All the saints experience some level of suffering and trial. And it's the same for us. We can see these sufferings as training, as endurance, as growth in the spiritual life. It's important to say here that God does not cause evil. God doesn't like evil. God is not the source of evil. 
This is so crucial for us because suffering is very delicate and it hurts. It's not God that's causing it, but God does permit trials, even great sufferings, for our benefit. He permits it in his mysterious divine plan by his power and grace. He permits sufferings for our benefit, for our growth, for our endurance to be purified and to be made holy. So this is a paradigm shift, and I want to challenge you today to consider your own life. I want you to think maybe specifically about a time that you have suffered. And maybe that time was recently, or maybe that time is right now, where maybe you've had a physical suffering, maybe an illness or an injury. Maybe you've experienced some type of emotional suffering, some type of depression or anxiety, or maybe just the stress of the economy right now. Maybe it's spiritual suffering. Maybe you've had some type of experience of desolation in prayer where God just feels very far away or your spiritual life just feels very dry and dark and you feel heavy and discouraged and burdened. Maybe you're overcome with great temptation in your life and you just are so tired by getting beaten up by these temptations. So consider your sufferings. When you suffer, do you feel like God has abandoned you? When you suffer, do you doubt your faith? When you suffer, do you feel like God's punishing you? Like God's angry with you because you've done something wrong and now you're getting your punishment? When you suffer, maybe you are angry at God. Maybe you doubt your faith. Maybe you just get so discouraged and sad and beaten up. What's it like for you? When you suffer, I'm here to remind you that the Gospels and all of Scripture and all of the saints remind us that we suffer because God loves us. That part of the mark of being Christian is that our lives are identified with suffering. We are not spared of suffering. Some people are like, well, gee, gosh, I I don't know if I want to be Christian. If that's the case, why bother? Because it's better to suffer with Jesus than in spite of him. Because the reality is we all suffer. Every human person and no one's immune. Because our world is fallen and sinful. And no one's immune from suffering. Although it's true that some have larger degrees of suffering than others, but we all have our time. But imagine if we decided now, before a great trial, if we chose now to grow through suffering, if we decided now to see suffering through the right lens, to see suffering through the lens of the cross rather than through the lens of punishment, what if we decided now, imagine how much more equipped we would be whenever we face hard times. Imagine how much more purified we would be, how much more ready we would be whenever times get tough. 
Imagine how much more sanctified and holy we would become. You see, because we are saints in training for eternal life, we are on our way striving towards the narrow gate. And it's true, God is merciful, God is a loving Father, and there's nothing that we can do that would make us too far away from His love. And I will preach mercy all the time and every day, but we don't preach mercy so that we can presume upon it. We don't preach mercy so that we can selfishly just live for ourselves and assume that we're just a good person. We preach mercy so that we are motivated in suffering, so that we can strive towards the narrow gate, even when it's hard, because it's hard to be a real Christian. But I know that you guys have what it takes to be a real Christian, not someone that just goes through the motions, not someone that just depends on the culture to get you to heaven. We are ready. We are ready to persevere together through hard times. We have chosen to abide in Jesus. And to abide in Jesus means that we are the branches and Jesus is the vine. Jesus tells us in John chapter 15, he is the vine and his father is the vine grower. He says that every branch that does not bear fruit, the father will take away. But this is important. He says, every branch that does bear fruit, he will prune so that he can bear more fruit. That pruning, that's the suffering. Whenever we suffer, it doesn't mean that God's abandoned you. It doesn't mean that God is punishing you. It doesn't mean that now you should just doubt your faith. It doesn't mean that now... We've proven that God doesn't exist. This is how a good God allows suffering. Because it's training. He's training us to be strengthened, to grow, to be purified and sanctified for righteousness. Be not afraid of suffering. We're not masochists. We don't look for suffering, and we don't just simply celebrate evil. Suffering is, in itself, a bad thing. But God, by His grace, can make even the most evil of things an occasion for growth, training in holiness. Even suffering can be the training ground for us to enter through the narrow gate. And every time you come to Mass, in addition to bringing our prayer intentions, which we have said before every Mass here, we also bring our suffering. Because Jesus Christ, who is God and man, suffered and died for us. And at Mass, we enter into that eternal moment. And He offers not only His suffering, but our sufferings to God the Father for the sake of the world. So if you're suffering, put it in the chalice. Every time you come to Mass, put it in the chalice. 
and know and have confidence that God is making you holy and those that you love holy through that offering. Don't waste your suffering because every trial is an opportunity for grace. Amen. Thank you.